Welcome to the Firefighting Female. My name is Rhonda Cohen. I'm a Master Firefighter EMT at the Wheaton Volunteer Rescue Squad in Montgomery County, Maryland. I'm also a registered dietitian with a license in sports nutrition. So I want to bring to you very updated, relevant, educational, entertaining material. It's not only classes that make a good first responder firefighter EMT, it's experience. And I feel that with the experience that I've had with the calls that I've run, plus my chosen career path, I can help round out many things in fire and rescue, and not just to educate women and empower them, but also to help the newcomers, the men, people that want to hear advice. So I love to educate. I've been doing this now for 35 years, and I have loved almost every second of it. But we're going to talk about it all, openly, honestly, and realistically. First responders are always on the ready. We've chosen a path where we've dedicated our lives to help those around us, oftentimes neglecting our own mental and physical well-being. Sometimes we work at a station where we run back-to-back -back calls, not allowing time to process what we've seen, felt, or think. But oftentimes we're at a slower station where maybe we have too much time to second-guess our actions, what we've done, what we could have done better. Regardless of whether you're at a slow or a busy station, we oftentimes suppress these feelings, and later on, it could take a day, a week, a month, or a year, or years, we may start showing outward signs of PTSD, depression, anxiety, and unfortunately for some, suicide. Hi everyone, I am Rhonda Cohen, the firefighting female. With me today is Dr. Manya Cohen. Manya is a licensed psychologist in Maryland and has been practicing as a therapist for over 20 years. She specializes in mood and anxiety disorders and in complex trauma in teens and adults. She is also a registered yoga teacher and certified yoga therapist and integrates mind-body medicine into her therapy. Manya is an adjunct faculty at the Chicago School of Professional Psychology, DC campus, and teaches courses in psychological trauma. Thank you for joining me, Manya, and welcome. Thank you, Rhonda. It's great to be here. Thank you. So we have a lot to talk about. We do. <laughs> so my question is, we need to talk about how people recognize whether they are suffering from any of these things, signs and symptoms, perhaps what causes them. So signs and symptoms, what should people be looking for? That's a really good question, Rhonda. And I think it's something that, that we all should be aware of. One of the first things I like to think about is maybe isolating ourselves. You know, um, do you notice um, that somebody that you're working with maybe isn't joining you for lunch or not going out with your crew, you know, your duty crew afterwards? Um, you might notice that maybe they're coming into work late or maybe missing work quite a bit. You might notice that maybe, you know, they're, they're forgetting things, documentation, or maybe they're making mistakes, you know, along the way. So those are some of the things that you might be looking for. Um, you might also, maybe they look really tired, you know, and kind of haggard, or you might overhear that they're talking with someone that their sleep isn't, you know, what it used to be. Um, maybe they're 
um, eating too much or eating too little. Um, maybe they've lost interest um, in things that they used to enjoy. Um, you might notice that they're taking on lots of shifts and, and not even going home. That's definitely um, another sign that they may be um, experiencing some symptoms of trauma. Um, there's so many things. Maybe irritability. You might notice that they seem to um, get annoyed really easily or may, maybe blowing things out of proportion, um, maybe feeling angry. Um, so, um, and also maybe being disconnected feeling kind of apart from everybody else. And that goes, you know, along with that feeling of isolation. I find that we are in a culture of bravery, of courage, of macho. <laughs> and for many, it's hard to say I'm sad or I'm depressed or I really need to talk about something that I've just seen. And it relates differently to everybody because, for example, uh, if you have children and you run an infant code and you've left your child, maybe perhaps it's the child's birthday, and this is the first call that you ran, it's going to be devastating. And sometimes people will just come back to the station and act like it didn't matter. When inside, you'll see them walk away, you know, People have even shed tears, and it's okay to ask for help, and it's okay to say, hey, listen, this is affecting me in an adverse way, and I want to have a successful day, a successful career, and it has to be processed. The other thing is also not just for career, but for family life, mm -hmm. and I feel that people take home their problems but don't express why they're feeling a certain way because... Some people don't even talk about the job when they go home. Mm -hmm. So it really affects family life, which is sad because then perhaps you're not being the best mother, the best father, husband, or wife. Have you noticed this with clients that you've worked with? A absolutely. And I think you're uh, making a couple of important points. One is um, balance, you know, work-life balance. And the other one is the culture of um, the fire service or first responders, whether you're um, an EMT, whether you're a paramedic, whether you're um, a fireman or firewoman, um, a police officer. Um, typically, and I think this has changed over the past few years, it's gotten better, but typically the culture of this organization, these organizations are um, that you, you know, you want to appear strong and brave and you're really out there to save people's lives. And I think that, um, you know, we often forget as a first responder that, um, you know, we have feelings too. We're humans. We often see and hear things that other people don't see or hear. And, um, and you're right. It may relate to our personal lives. It may um, relate to um, our own trauma histories that we're carrying with us. And so, that stigma, so to speak, that is in the in the first responder um, culture uh, often prevents us from asking for help or feeling free to uh, show our emotions or say that, 
oh, we're, we're in therapy, we're, we're seeing someone so that we can talk about these things. Um, however, you know, that's not common with everybody and they often, the culture teaches us to push it down, you know, to sort of comp, um, compartmentalize, go on to the next call. And like you said, if the station is really, really busy, there's no time to process those things that we've seen and he heard um, as we're going throughout our day. Or if we're at a slower station, there's a lot of time to process it. And we're just processing it in our own head rather than really talking to somebody else and um, getting some help um, to understand those feelings, those emotions, and those thoughts that we're having. Yeah, it's interesting. I always find that it's very easy for somebody to say, I have cancer, I have diabetes, I have renal disease. But it is so hard for somebody to say, I think there's something wrong. I'm in my own head and things aren't going well. So I think there's so many things that we can do as first responders to help ourselves and each other. And possibly when we talk at the kitchen table, oftentimes we sit around and tell stories. Firefighters, first responders <laughs> love to tell stories. Sometimes they're true. Sometimes they're partially true. <laughs> but I think there should also be a time to talk about calls, not just how we would do different or how we would improve a call, but maybe, hey, listen, you guys, you know, I'm not good with this. What do you think? How do you perceive this to be? So this is our family. We understand each other very well as first responders. Sometimes our own families could not understand how we think and feel because we bond through experiences. So I think the first place to help resolve any type of, you know, potentially very serious issues such as suicidal ideation is to talk amongst our crews. Mm -hmm. And somehow it should be established maybe you know, hey, every morning at lineup, hey, guys, listen, if there's going to be a bad call today, a good call today, or anything different, we're talking about it. So at lunch, bring it up. Hey, did you just run this? How do you feel about this? Work through it with each other. Don't be afraid to ever ask out for help. So what are things and different places that firefighters and first responders can go to to actually seek out help? That's a great question, Rhonda, and I'm really glad you asked it. Um, so I, I think it's a great idea to sort of begin to develop that culture within the station, you know, at breakfast, at lunch, at dinner, at, at, uh, in, in first thing in the morning or when you first start running calls, um, just to make that announcement, make it part of your culture that you're going to, that it's okay, you know, to talk about these things amongst each other. And you're right, um, no one understands a first responder like other first responders. And that camaraderie, that um, friendship, that understanding that you have amongst each other is so unique and so really important. Um, I think that having other ways also, you know, outside of the fire station, so to speak, to also take care of yourself. Maybe, you know, you like to go to the gym and exercise. Uh, maybe, maybe you're a jogger and you like to jog, or maybe you're artistic and, and you like to paint or draw. There's so many um, different ways um, to, you know, um, provide self-care, to engage in self-care. Um, things as simple as maybe listening to some of your favorite music, 
um, thinking about, um, one good way to think about it is using all of your senses. Uh, for example, um, so sound. You know, music really um, calms me down. Music is something that um, takes my stress away. Um, maybe smells, if you have some favorite smells, um, scented lotion, aromatherapy, or taste. You know, I, I mean, chocolate, uh, <laughs> you know, actually, as we know, releases some endorphins mm -hmm. in the body that help us to feel better. Or maybe you like a mint or maybe a flavor of gum or, or something like that. Um, tactile sensations even, you know, uh, having something in your pocket maybe that's smooth or rough or um, hard or soft, something like that. And movement can also be considered um, um, some sort of a coping skill. As I mentioned, running or going to the gym or yoga, you know, is a great way. And also breathing exercises, um, full body breaths really can help relieve stress and heal anxiety and, and grief that you might be experiencing as part of your job or part of your personal life. Interesting. <laughs> it's always important. Have something, an outlet. I have laughter. I listen to different comedians all the mm -hmm. time. And laughter for me is the best way to relieve stress. So I think that another thing that we need to address is not just the first responder, but the families mm -hmm. of the first responder. So perhaps you're the husband or the wife. Maybe the children are too young to understand at this point in time. But how do you greet your first responder when they come home that day, the next morning? Do you say, how was your shift? Or do you just talk about what's happening in the household? So how do they approach to try to be part of the culture and part of the experiences that their loved one has gone through? Do you think they should just break through and be like, hey, how was the ship last night? Run anything good? <laughs> so I don't think, you know, especially in uh, mental health, one size doesn't necessarily fit all. So I think it's really important that maybe you have a conversation with your loved one and just say, you know, how best can I support you? You know, when you come home from a shift, you know, would you like to talk about it? Would you like me to ask you about it? Um, or would you prefer that I'm quiet and maybe we can talk about it later? I really think that that piece of communication is really important. Um, and, you know, we can assume what might work, but we really don't know, you know, for, for our uh, loved one who um, has unique uh, needs. And um, as I said, one size doesn't fit all. So I would just communicate and I would ask, you know, what's the best way that I can support you? Every department over the United States has an outreach area where they could ask for help, and it's confidential. So I am so grateful for that, and I just want to make that aware so that all first responders know they are not alone, and in some way, shape, or form, we are all feeling something to what degree, as you said, one size does not fit all. But there is help out there, and people should not be afraid to seek it out because it is not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of bravery. It helps you to stay intact. It helps you to have a very long, successful career and ultimately a very happy and healthy retirement. And it also helps you to help the other people on your crew. You are a family as a crew, 
and you take care of each other as a family. And part of it is not just physical, part of it is mental, it's social, it's fun. But creating that full person, that full intact person mentally and physically is key to success. And I oftentimes hear people say, I'd rather have the pain of losing a leg than the feeling that I'm having inside my head and my heart right now. Because physical pain is so much easier to Mm -hmm. overcome than mental pain. And I just want to reach out and tell all of you out there, please, 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 mental health, asking for help is a sign of bravery. It's not a sign of anything else. So if anybody is struggling, please seek out from your department, from your county, from a professional, any help that is needed. Rhonda, if I could just share one last story that goes along with that, I'd love to do that. So um, we have a friend who is a retired Baltimore City uh, firefighter, and he's probably mid-70s now. And he was telling us a story of something that happened probably 30, 25 or 30 years ago. He was on the job. They got a call um, that um, there might be a baby in a dumpster in the city. And so they went to the dumpster, they found this baby in the dumpster. And as he is recalling this story, you know, tears are coming to his eyes, his voice is crackling a little bit. And he said, you know, I was never able to talk about that. And I wish there would have been a place, because I think about this story all the time, I have this memory. And so the thing is, is that if you push it down and you don't talk about it, it's still there. It, it doesn't go away. Even 30, 40, 50 years later, people are still carrying these memories with them. And it affects our, our bodies and our minds in, in negative ways. So I really um, hope people will seek out help, will um, talk to each other, and, um, and begin to heal. And like you said, it's, it's not a sign of weakness, it's a sign of strength and, ba- and bravery. Yep, and that's why I think a lot of people turn to substance abuse. Oh, absolutely. They don't sleep. They always find something to keep them busy so they don't have to process what they're thinking and feeling. Mm-hmm. And they just keep moving on, moving on. And some people think, oh, my goodness, you must have, you know, some kind of other ADD or something of that nature, but it's not the case. They're just trying to keep everything suppressed so they don't have to think and feel. Unfortunately, it's still there. It's still there. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's still still there. (laughs) So it's okay to talk about it. It's Mm -hmm. okay to get help and say, hey, I'm sad. Something's not right. And I want to feel strong again. So let's talk about Mm -hmm. it. I think that's the takeaway from this. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you so much for coming today. I really appreciate this. Thank you, Rhonda. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Until next time, stay safe. And thank you so much for your continued dedication, commitment, and service to the county and state you serve. Take care.